0: As a an artist with a a background as an educator, as well as um, someone who's committed to like work around reproductive justice and wellness, uh, particularly for women, um, it's really important for me to also connect with women from around the world, from the, from all walks of life and people from all walks of life, but to really understand like how how we're connected. And share in our differences as well.
1: Welcome to Towards a Kinder Public, a podcast dedicated to designing kinder public space that better meets our interconnected needs. I'm Kevin Castle, and along with Annie Chen, we are kinder public. We are so fortunate to be able to share this conversation with Baltimore and New York-based multimedia artist, Lena Martine Huey. Lena's work has been shown and commissioned across the United States and internationally. She is a participant in international foundation and benefit work and received the Artist Changemaker Award from the Global Fund for Women. She is currently participating in the Museum of Contemporary African Diasporan Arts and Asian American Arts Alliance 2023 Bandung Residency to foster and uplift allyship between Asian American, Pacific Islander, and Black communities. We will discuss Lena's work as an artist, her Pan-African and Caribbean identity, the opportunities within mothering, her interest in healing modalities, and her work towards reproductive justice. Lena will speak about her experience with Baltimore's partial removal of monuments dedicated to Confederate leadership, and her research of Harriet Tubman's work and life there, which informed Lena's work titled, mysticism of faith, which led her to a deeper understanding of the basis for personal resilience. This is the first of three episodes from my conversation with Lena. I hope you will find many ideas about public space and community that interest and uplift you. Thank you for joining us for part one.
0: Hi, Kevin. (laughs) Hi.
1: I'm so glad you could join me. Thank you so much for sharing your time. Of course.
0: Thank you. This is amazing.
1: Just to help orient everyone, would you describe your background and your work? And how can listeners best get a picture of you and what is important to you so they have an idea of who you are as we go on with our conversation?
0: Yeah, my name is Lena Huey, and I am from New York City, and my family's from Jamaica um i'm the first generation born in the us and um yeah i my identity is a really big part of my work and so i celebrate um my identity as someone who I, who I, who considers themselves a pan africanist or like my family is like very afrocentric and like we always celebrate the diaspora so Um, you know, thinking about where um, our ancestors come from, which is like in Africa and all over the Caribbean and celebrating Caribbean identity and like the ways in which it's been fragmented across the globe. And so um, in addition to, you know, celebrating my immediate family, uh, I'm really exploring kind of the undertones of things that happen um more like yeah with family within myself and then also in the larger global context Mm -hmm. so like it's kind of in these layers um and I explore personal transformation um and as a mother of an eight-year-old now Mm. um you know, and someone who's identified as an artist for many years. I have transformed in so many ways over the years as a mother and continue to um, through my work and through the people that I meet and and what I'm learning and, and what's coming through in the work. And so a large part of my work, I also consider to be like a form of a historical documenting or, yeah, documenting history and so it's almost yeah I consider it to be an archival practice that that whose strands are really passed down to me but like my channel my my personal channel is through visual art whereas for my mom it might be something else so she does a lot of work around ministry so like for her that's how it comes through, but there's still these traces that are, and patterns that are found across the generations. And I think just in mothering my daughter, Mm -hmm. that is coming through there as well. So we co-create a lot um, with each other, with the stories that have been passed down. And I consider myself to be a story keeper, which is something that's a tradition that's passed down from family. So oral tradition, oral histories are really important for us and also material histories. And so I utilize a lot of, um, yeah, like different kinds of material in my work. So you'll find a lot of natural objects found in, you know, in the earth and plant matter as well as uh, textiles that have been passed down t- textiles, beads, shells, things that have been collected over time mm-hmm. I utilize a lot of like memorabilia and like small notes and things that have been collected over time through family and just things that I've saved a large part of my work is about like communicating across realms and so like between like ancestors and learning and communicating from them and guides I really feel that the work is a collaborative kind of effort that happens between the living and the non-living. Mm-hmm. And so there's also this world of the seen versus the unseen. And there's a lot of blending between all of those worlds. And so like, I really enjoy that space in between things Mm -hmm. and hope that the work will be useful in the future for others.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And as an artist with a, a background, as an educator, as well as Um, someone who's committed to like work around reproductive justice and wellness, uh, particularly for women. Um, It's really important for me to also connect with women from around the world, from, from all walks of life and people from all walks of life, but to really understand like how, how we're connected and share in our differences as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of the, the, texture that I use in my, and I use a lot of texture. So texture, pattern, colors, bright colors, like a lot of that is really pulled from, you know, the kind of grittiness of the city.
2: Yeah, And
0: so like picking up on all of those layers that you'll find just walking down the street in New York, all the sounds, Mm. the sights and sounds and all of the influences of music, all the different strains of music that have influenced me you know like thinking about jazz and reggae hip hop and folk music like all of these things that like that i grew up with and you know certain um i grew up with a lot of books around me and so like a lot of passages that you know i would read or imagery that i would find in um you know those materials i they kind of repeat again, in my work, and there's this lot of repetition, uh, you know, throughout, like, the figures and the patterns in my work, mm. and there is a celebration of carnival culture as well, um, which is kind of digging into some of the ways in which our histories as, like, people from Jamaica, at least my family, having, um, heritage, like understanding our heritage in ways that have been kind of hidden mm-hmm. by the society, mm-hmm. but in that have been preserved and kept through the generations. And so I'm choosing to celebrate in this way through my creative practice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You've mentioned a lot of words around the idea of preservation and being a preservationist and, and working in an archival manner where you're keeping these pieces and maintaining this collection of objects but also information, stories, so far. It's really interesting to think of you also working in, in that manner in your own in your own life, like collecting the, the colors that you know and the city experiences, the sensory experiences of your time in the city and the bits of writing that you've seen and these things all kind of mingling because they, they do come out in your artwork as well. Right. You do then sometimes use these items from your collections.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it shows up in so many different ways. So I'm multidisciplinary. So I have a painting practice that informs My installation practice, which then informs my video work and photography and, you know, how that's all kind of blended in with the work that I do around reproductive justice and connecting with folks in that way and sharing um, healing modalities for um, ways of coping through yeah, through difficult times and mm-hmm. how to strengthen, you know, ourselves in the midst of challenging times through the creative creative process. And that's unique for everyone, but I really love to facilitate processes that, you know, invite folks to share and to kind of dig in um, and explore like their deepest, like their deepest self, and mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, be vulnerable and sharing that with others, I think is a really beautiful experience. And it's something that folks remember, and I love to be a part of that, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I find that it is really a form of healing. And it took me a long time to kind of accept that. <laughs> you know uh, because I was seeing it so separate from you know someone who might be a doctor or like someone Mm,
1: really
2: yeah
0: medicine yeah but it is a form of medicine as well so I'm really appreciative and growing and like in that knowing
1: that's that struck me as something like I, I guess I just always noticed that about you I feel like we connected very very early on we connected over mutual concerns about maternal safety and reproductive justice. And I felt like the care, your understanding of care, and like the many ways that we can bring health, reinforce health, support others was just, I don't know, it just seemed very apparent in the way that you, in your presence, and also the way that you interact with people.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes it's even though that's part of how I might identify, it's not always clear in my mind because there's so much,
2: Yeah, <laughs> like
0: there's just so much going on. And I think mm-hmm. like when you're sharing your work as an artist in a world that's very, uh, that kind of boxes people into like what art should be or what they think an artist should be or look like, or, you know, what kind of space their work fits in. Mm -hmm. My work definitely fall like it definitely kind of can um you know really live outside of that space because it can live in an organic space or a community space Mm -hmm. as well as a gallery space. So sometimes, if I'm in the gallery space, like Mm -hmm. more often or for a significant number of amount of time, then like at times it can be, it can be um it can create kind of a cloud over everything and then you don't see
2: <laughs> you can't
0: see beyond it <laughs> you, know? you can, and then you kind of have to reground and reset at least this is what it's like for me yeah i have to take some space and reground and like why am i doing this again yeah what is my purpose again how am i connecting with myself and others again because yes mm-hmm. um collective care community care collaborative care is like really important for me as well as just like ensuring that like the stories that we're sharing and uplifting are held with respect and honor not just exploited mm-hmm. so I'm very careful with like who I work, work with and what kinds of um com- dialogue I'm willing to engage in because mm-hmm. I also want to protect all of those other stories that we're carrying as well and um, to just honor them in their light and in their fullness right
1: <laughs> and and related to what you just said is something that I I wanted to bring up which was your work of embodiment in the artwork um, mysticism of faith mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you about I wanted to ask you about that work and that process and and what embodiment means because that was a work that you did. I'm particularly interested in the part of that work that existed in public space and in a space that in my, it looked to me like you were claiming in some way. And then um, also related to what you just said, some of the material pieces from that artwork then went to a gallery. But I'm really interested in talking about that first moment with the embodiment and what that means.
0: Yeah, I mean, that piece was really special in that I felt really connected to the story of Harriet Tubman as a naturalist Mm -hmm. for the first time. And I knew about that part of her work. And that's another part of my identity that I don't really uplift as much as like being an herbalist and someone who likes working with nature and plants and Um, you know, and the earth. And so I think that being able to embody her through reclaiming this space, which is where, you know, the, so the location was at Wymandel Park, which is in Baltimore, which is um, where I'm currently based between here and New York, but mostly in Baltimore and um, the site of the piece and I call it a ritual performance because it's, it wasn't just a performance. It's like something that was very interactive, but um, essentially it was at this the bait, the space where there was a statue um, dedicated to a, uh, one of the confederate soldiers, um, Robert E. Lee, and um, also Stone and Stonewall Jackson. And so I found it to be really interesting that, like after doing a lot of research on that particular space and learning about why the monuments were taken down, um, I, You know, and throughout like the Black Lives Matter protests, these uh, monuments were taken down and destroyed. And so what's left there are the remnants of that, of those two men. And so all along the edge of this stone base, you have their names and, you know, this big, a dedication to them. And so I was really struck by that when I walked past there and then learned that that space was actually dedicated, uh, rededicated to Harriet Tubman. Through that history, I um, I learned of the history of Harriet Tubman in Baltimore, which I just did not have any knowledge of prior really. Um, and I didn't know like her connection to Maryland at all. Um, and so it was really beautiful to be able to learn about that history and like learn that she was all in all of these places that I was mm. traveling to, to learn a- more about her. And so like the embodiment piece was also, yeah, like when, when standing at the base of that statue, it was void of the statues themselves but with the remnant of remnants of the words it still felt like the statues were there and so there was this sense of erasure that um harriet's name wasn't there so it was renamed harriet tubman's grove but there was no sign no plaque no dedication Mm -hmm. no um symbol of her presence there just still the presence of these confederate you know this these two men Mm -hmm. so the performance or the piece that I did was um sharing her words and I wore uh, a piece that I made that almost looked like a tattered flag and it was a piece that I hand sewed together with many strips of fabric and I painted them you know bright tones of red, green, blue, and I added these eyes of people who were important to my political education in some way, like black artists, scholars, thinkers, historians, um and abolitionists who were really pivotal to my understanding of the political landscape of the u s Mm-hmm. And beyond and so like throughout learning about you know harriet and just kind of combining all of these materials together and learning about her how her movements throughout maryland and um and baltimore specifically like that she was at this specific place mm. it felt really good to just speak her words in this, you know, embodied role, like, where I imagined myself as her, and, you know, all that she endured, and all that she stood for, and yeah, just how magical that was, like, and she had this injury, you know, when she was uh, younger, when she was a young woman, she, um, an overseer threw a brick at her Mm -hmm. forehead and it it gave her a permanent uh permanent brain damage and so not only did she have like a deep scar on her forehead but she also would in the midst of you know bringing people to their liberation which was completely life-changing and droves of people to their liberation and risking her her life Mm -hmm along with you know those abolitionists that she worked with like all of them risking their lives through this underground railroad and uh, everything that she stood for anyhow <laughs> along with mm-hmm. all of that she had this this injury that would where she would pass out like suddenly you know just in the midst of you know, moving through the woods and like bringing droves of people like to help liberate all of these people. And in the middle of that, she would just pass out and would have these psychic revelations and dreams. And she would just kind of go into another world. And she felt that she was, she believed that she was communicating with creator or higher power. And so, in those moments where she would move into this other wor- realm she would get these messages you know that would lead her and guide her to you know to continuing her work and so for me that was so profound and to even speak her words was like it was an affirmation in so many ways and to and then I shared that experience with my classmates at the time and everyone i invited everyone to participate and so they in that in their participation they learned about the history and were, were able to learn from her on a more intimate level and so like that's really what that work was about was about like understanding harriet tubman beyond just the name Harriet Tubman and like beyond what we've been told about her Mm -hmm. and understanding her as a woman her her as a mother and just understanding all of the layers that she was carrying and you know the the, her joy and her her grief as well and being able to like embrace that fully and it was I didn't know that the film was coming out around the same time, but it did. And it was a very, very stark contrast to the film itself. Mm. But um, it was still interesting that it came around during that time. And that was right before the pandemic hit. And so I think on reflection, thinking about it afterward, like when it hit, was really refreshing to know that I had that space to really channel, you know, that kind of energy in a very deep and meaningful way that almost prepared me, I believe prepared me to go into the pandemic craze with more clarity and more purpose because of her values. And, you know, she was this, she was a very what they would say a very small woman in stature, but just her who who she was was so large and embodied so much and yeah she was amazing so <laughs>
1: that was beautiful I I found the pictures to just be very to be very emotionally powerful and the picture of you at, at that site which seemed to be uh, still contaminated with the remnants of the other statues and, you know, that hadn't quite been, you know, removed. It was just like, I really felt like you
0: bringing her spirit there
1: and and you companioning
0: her from those images. Absolutely. Yeah. And I loved the title that came came to me because I just really admire how everything that she did was based on faith and it was based on things that she could not see and so for me that is just very telling of you know beyond resilience beyond all of that it's just like this kind of stream of that um wisdom that comes from the unseen Mm -hmm. and just trusting you know like that this is the thing the right thing to do because you believe it and you know in your heart of hearts, like what's wrong and what's right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that, you know, that because I also have so much, so many of those values in myself, it really strengthened that for me.
1: Right. Be sure to check out our website, kinderpublic.com, for more information about our guest and the topic, as well as a full transcript of the conversation, which can be found on the podcast page. A captioned episode is available on our YouTube channel, where we are at kinderpublic. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you have enjoyed an episode of Towards a Kinder Public, we would love your help in sharing the episode with others. Please also leave us a rating and a review. It helps us make our topics more visible, and we really appreciate your support. If you would like to share information about the accessibility of public space and places that are doing things right, please email podcast at kinderpublic.com. I'm Kevin Castle. My guest has been contemporary artist Lena Huey. Join us again next time to hear more of this conversation. Have a very good week.